what greater purpose you know do i see with my company fulfilling and that moment of silence that i had you know the reality hit me you know it's a really really you know hard thing to start with because you have to make sure that you have capital you have to make sure that you have customers and you need to make sure that okay the product or the service that you're going to provide is what your customers you know really want and and bottom line is that the purpose what do you really want to do with your business or impact in your business Vani Nades of PNG runs Mstreet Holdings today she's the founder of many businesses including an internet service provider and a co-working hub we'll learn more about that later but 9 years ago Having worked in education for over 20 years, she had made her way up to a senior role in a university institution. On leaving, she found herself staring uncertainty in the face. Vani took the opportunity to think about what she really wanted to do and how she wanted to fill, in her words, the blank space she saw ahead of her. I wasn't sure what was going to happen in the future because it was all blank. You know, you took the risk to just jump on it and just go with it and say let fate decide. The rest is history. Like Vani, our guests in this episode, all women business founders are writing their own histories. Welcome to Vossa, celebrating creators, thinkers and changemakers from across the Pacific, exploring what makes us tick, what motivates us and what the future looks like in the communities and region we call home. Thanks to the World Bank in the Pacific and PNG for their support. This episode is about the hustle. We speak with Pacific women entrepreneurs and business founders who share their experiences of starting something new, stepping into uncertainty, choosing a path less traveled, and reflecting on what it has taken for their ventures to survive the ups and downs of business, including the pandemic. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, I, I think that word failure, you know, whether it's in business or, or personal, I look at failure as a challenge. You know, just like, oh, okay, I learned my lesson from that one. I'll make sure I won't do that again, and and look for something else that that makes you happy and makes it right. So, you know, like I said, where this journey takes me, I don't know, but I'm thoroughly enjoying the ride. while I'm on it. For our guests like Shelly Birich of Samoa, founder of Vawala Vanilla, whatever their circumstances, whatever prompts them, it's starting that can be the hardest part. Overcoming years of self-doubt, procrastination even, financial setbacks, life events, and countless obstacles that can derail your plans. The reasons not to start are endless, but you just need one reason to start. Kitiana Chute of Fiji a physiotherapist and leadership and well-being coach has coached women entrepreneurs and with the group she was coaching at the time observed some commonalities in their desire to start businesses so with a group of women that i have the opportunity to lead right now the key drivers number 1 is their desire to be independent i think there's that need for independence to actually earn your own salary and that's one key uh outcome that I've learned from these women and the other one is to um be breadwinners because a lot of these women most of them are in families where their spouses are probably terminated or don't have a job themselves or who are probably working but it's not enough so they they feel there's a 
sense or need to contribute equally. That sense of independence is what um, gives them significance because they see that uh, you know other women are making it happen for themselves and it's rewarding. As Shelley tells it, sure, there are possibilities on the other side of starting a business, but taking the first step can be scary. So what was it like to start? It was scary. It was really scary to sort of think of taking my hobby to another level because I realised that it required a lot more commitment, a lot more experience, a lot more uh, resources to be able to turn it into a business and just trying to figure out what to do next. You know, you have this idea, but you're not quite sure, where do I go? How do I start? And so I, I tend to tap into my networks. So I think that's really important is that, um, you know, starting and running a business, don't be shy to tap into your network of experienced entrepreneurs, experienced business people and ask them, how did they do it? And get their viewpoint on, you have this idea, um, do you think that it would work? Um, so, yeah, it, it was a lot of, I've been growing vanilla for 15 years and I didn't turn it into a business until maybe seven years ago. So it took me quite a long time to have the confidence, not only because I had to wait to make sure that I had a viable product. And if anyone knows, when you grow vanilla, it's not a quick cash um, turnover. There's just a lot of questions, um, a lot of self-doubt, but I made sure that I connected again with other women entrepreneurs and strong women, positive women that could help guide you along the way. For Vani, convincing others to have confidence in you can take time and relies on building relationships. So when you start, like not everybody is going to believe and have confidence in you. Nobody wants to come on the table because they'll be, you know, wondering, you know, um, do you have the capabilities? Do you have what it takes to deliver? So all these, you know, checklists that everybody's going to check on you as a startup, but somebody's got to believe in you. Somebody's got to have confidence in you and somebody's got to ensure that, yes, what is what she or he is investing in you is going to be a success. So you need to build that uh, reputation right, and, and trust and understanding right from the beginning. It's all about building relationship and network and telling the people that, yes, you can be able to do the job. As Vani says, it's not all roses from the beginning. And in Kitiana's experience, setting up and registering your business can be an obstacle course of challenges. I found it a very cumbersome process. I mean, even just the thought of opening another business is stressful. So, yeah, it took me about six to eight weeks to set up my uh, coaching and uh, re-register the physiotherapy practice that I run. So not a very pleasant experience, but I'm you know, happy that I've just managed to get through the process and I'm successfully registered. 
as a startup, you know, I had so much challenges. I was looking for a mentor. I was looking for a coach. I was looking for resources and, and people that I can be able to share my business with and someone to look into my business and tell me, oh, you can do this. You can, oh, maybe look at this this way. So, you know, I wanted that, you know, wisdom from someone, but it was very suppressing. Starting is one thing. Now you have to follow through. It's not going to be easy. Not everything is in your control and not everyone will believe in you right off the bat. Our guests faced so many challenges, both expected and unexpected. But it was going back to that one reason, that central purpose, that helped them stay afloat through the highs and lows of keeping their entrepreneurial visions alive. And not just for themselves, but for the community that they wanted to make a positive difference in. I had this opportunity to apply for, a, uh, you know, the, the Global Entrepreneurship Summit in Silicon Valley. And that was the last time of Barack Obama. And I was accepted to, amongst all the 7,000 entrepreneurs around the world, only 500 were shortlisted. And I was lucky to be one of them at the time. I was only asked to pay my airfares. And I said, no, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to pay this airfares because I really needed this. Everything was taken care of by, by them. It was only the efforts that I had to take care of. So when I went there and I was absolutely mind-blowing for me that all these resources were here that people can be able to have to excel, grow, develop, and scale. And I had my mentorship. I had my coaches. Vani's first milestone was made possible by investing in herself, realizing that she needed coaching and mentorship that wasn't available in her immediate surroundings and making the investment to get to where she could find it. Completing her entrepreneurship summit and honing her idea by pitching to big-name investors, Vani returned to P&G with what she calls her light bulb moment. While I was there, I said I had this light bulb moment at the same time. I said, this has to happen in Papua New Guinea. And it was in 2016. So when I actually um, was there, I actually wrote the, wrote the proposal saying that when I go back to Papua New Guinea, I need to go and see Prime Minister at the time was Peter O'Neill at the time. So as soon as I came back, I met him at a function. I said, sir, I need to meet with you. I have a pitch to make to you. And this is for SME. This is for small business and a co-working incubation hub that I want to roll out. So he referred me to his PA, made an appointment. I went and saw, I pitched to him and he said, this is a brilliant idea. We need people like you. We need implementers. We have done this SME policy, but nothing is off the ground. And we need people like you. And I said, I don't need your money. I just need you guys to give me a big space and let me come in. You know, give me a rent free for like five years and let me build it. So anyway, he was all for it. You know, everything went down so well. Um, and he wrote a letter, got his chief secretary. And then we went down and then went down to people, um, Department of um, Commerce and Industry. And, you know, so many follow-ups and nothing got done. A disheartening delay after a promising start might spell the end for a big idea. But Vani kept going. I didn't stop from there. I kept going around, you know, people talking to them, pitching my ideas. And lucky enough, I had a really great, you know, friend, you know, bless his soul. He had an office. So he said, okay, Vani, this is a brilliant idea. I know it's going to go places. You're coming and you do what you want to do, but you, we can exchange for internet at a discounted price. And I pay, you know, discounted rent as well. So that was the arrangement we had in 2019. So I went around shops, I asked them, this is my budget, would you be able to, you know, uh, give me all these, you know, um, furnitures and, you know, everything that the office needs. And I was lucky enough to get all the discounts. I, 
I actually, um, you know, fixed the office, everything else. And this, this is like, you know, with no support. Of course, progress is possible through collaboration. But for our guests, there are times when you have to go it alone with the belief that you will eventually convince others of the value of your idea. Shelley's milestone has been learning to recognize and value her own expertise in growing vanilla and finally getting to confidently call herself a vanilla farmer. I was scared to even call myself a vanilla farmer. I just never, ever thought of myself as a vanilla farmer. People were saying, oh, you're a vanilla farmer. Like, no, I just grow vanilla. I, I, I always thought that a farmer was you have to be big. You have to be of commercial scale. You think of everything to be large scale, commercial scale. And I've shown that you can grow vanilla in a very small area, keep it niche, and turn it into a viable business that you don't need to have the five, 10 acres of land to grow agriculture. I've got vanilla growing in my backyard of my residential property. So I think as a female vanilla farmer, female farmer in general, I guess, you don't necessarily need to be a large commercial farmer, that you can still make a very good business with what you have access to. Shelley highlights one of the biggest barriers to starting and following through on an entrepreneurial idea is the tendency to tell ourselves that we have to go big right from the start. That's not so in her experience. Everyone starts somewhere, and you can keep your business as big or as small as you want, as long as it is what you really want to do. Kitiana talks about the importance of clarity from the outset on what your business goals are, not what others are telling you it should be or what external expectations are, but what you want them to be. In, in my experience, I just feel like that's a time when you need to really sit down and, like I said, just revisit your business goals. And I guess just because I'm also a facilitator with the business upskilling program for women, I, what I realized from that program is from the group that I'm running is a lot of them don't really have set goals. Just take a pen and paper and spend quality time thinking about what is it that you want to get out of your business? What's the purpose of you running your business? And what are the steps that you're willing to take? More like, you know, the goals that you're working towards and what are the steps that you're wanting to take to Get to those business goals. Kitiana's approach is using two aspects of her capabilities to make a positive difference in people's lives, women and young people especially, supporting them to reach their maximum potential in leadership and wellness. So in my current role as a business entrepreneur, I, I have two streams of income. The first one is I work as a full-time physiotherapist and the other one is providing coaching services. So uh, while I was working in the corporate sector, I had become a accredited leadership coach with a Maxwell team, learning about how to uh, make an impact in someone's life through learning. And uh, with that experience, since I've come out of the corporate world, I'm now using uh, my coaching qualification to 
you know, help women, especially my focus is really with women and young women and uh, youth. My aim is to, to help women and youth to find their purpose in life and uh, to set some goals for themselves and actually, you know, reach their maximum potential. After nine years of being in business, Bani's investment in herself has paid off. The milestone is that now we can see my business has a profitable business model. In the beginning, you know, you got to put in the hard, yard, hard yards, you know, as the owner of the business. No one's going to do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. Even if you have team, yes, no shortcuts. You've got to keep at it. You've got to, you know, keep sharpening the saw. One of the, uh, the milestones that I can, you know, be proud of is that I, it's, I took the risk to start the business. I'm in the internet space and it's technology space and you can imagine the, the challenges and going up against the big boys, but you're still going because you know that, you know, this, this is what you can do to contribute effectively leveraging on technology so that everybody around you can have access to information so that they can get online and, and do business, have an online shop and, and be the bridge or be the, be, be, you know, bridging the gap on the 20th of March, I'll be celebrating my nine years of my business. And, and the milestone is that, you know, Papua New Guinea has 22 provinces. So I'm already in 17 provinces, rolling out my internet service and connecting the rural communities. I'm so thankful to, you know, people that believe in the journey, people that believe in the dream, my team members who have stuck through, you know, right from the beginning till now and and the clientele that we have grown over the years and your value driven when you impact somebody else it'll bless you abundantly reaching a place of gratitude and a profitable business model is not an easy journey it looks different for every one of our guests and won't often take off overnight it certainly has not been without its setbacks obstacles and failures Shelley believes in the necessity of failure as a part of growth and never being discouraged by a closed door. So I've done everything, a lot of it, by trial and error. Like I'll find out things and then I'll go and do it and, and figure out, um, you know, I'll go and ask the right people. So I think that overcoming that type of challenge is that when a door is closed in front of you, I don't let it stay closed. I'll go find another door to open. Um, and I think as a woman, I would encourage women entrepreneurs to, to continue to do that. Don't be disheartened when a door closes for you or when an opportunity is lost because there are so many other opportunities out there. So it's just believing in yourself. All our guests spoke about success meaning more than money, well-being, fulfillment, service, working with others, all these themes emerged in their personal business milestones. Shelley's success has been the growth of her own confidence. For me personally, my success has been building my self-confidence as a woman entrepreneur and as a woman farmer. I'm proud to say I can now call myself a farmer, even though I feel like, oh, I don't even have an acre of vanilla, but who cares, I'm farming. Just having that confidence to have these conversations with my male counterparts, to feel that you're on an equal par with them and not to feel like I'm not large scale. 
So I'll just stay here and I won't say anything. So I think as women entrepreneurs and women farmers and growers, we have a lot to contribute and we need to be able to stand up and say, talk about our challenges and, and that. So I think that has been a big success where I've managed, I've gotten over that. I've gotten up to the point where my experience in growing vanilla has become well known and people are now saying oh, you are the vanilla experts so for me that's a wonderful success to be able to to be known as that as she grew vanilla over the years shelly started taking vanilla beans to chefs at restaurants asking them to try them out once she started getting rave reviews she knew she was onto something they would just say oh we want more this is great you know So that's how I started growing more vanilla. When I first started growing vanilla as a hobby, I started with 50 vine cuttings. I now have over a thousand. So I've just slowly been growing more and more once my confidence kicked in and I knew what I had was a really premium product. I then went into looking into... um, making my own vanilla extract and vanilla syrup. Shelley expanded at her own pace, making sure she incorporated what the early users of her product were telling her. And she treated all feedback as important, positive and negative, staying focused on making her product better. Get the feedback. Get people to try your products and take that feedback. Accept the constructive criticism or positive feedback because that's going to make your product even better. And and that's just what I've done. I've just evolved it into now um, these three beautiful products. And and I've made sure that I don't overextend myself into too many other different products. I am a one-man band. I grow the vanilla myself. I process it myself. Um, and and I make all of my products myself. So I have to be very honest and practical as to what I can honestly do. So I've just kept it to a few products. And I think we're often, we're afraid to fail. You know, we're afraid of that word failure. So when you get um, negative feedback on something, you think, oh, that's it. It, It's no good. I'm just going to stop. But Turn it the other way. Say, okay, I've got this negative feedback. How can I make, how can I improve it? You know, what do I have to do to make, you know, improve it? Um, so, yeah, I think uh, we just need to learn not to be afraid to fail because failure is good. We learn from it. Good or bad, feedback is a gift. I've always believed that. And for Shelley, that has certainly been the case. Similarly for Vani, seeing the impact of her business on others like the entrepreneurs who are part of her co-working hub, 80% of whom are women, has also been a motivating form of feedback. In our co-working hub, you know, there are SMEs, there are market mamas, there are young people. So we have all these events that, you know, we bring in the CEOs of, you know, big organization. They come and mix and mingle. Just being with them gives them the inspiration. And the connective, yeah, yeah, just being exposed. We've got to expose them. Because they never had that opportunity. And when you can influence and when you can bring it to them, you've got to act on it because you don't know 
that when you do that, it's definitely going to inspire them to continue to do what they're doing. And in return, they go and they, you know, um, do the same thing for others. Man, I tell you, money will never buy that, but it's the satisfaction at heart that you get to see somebody else, you know, come and say thank you. And, and they, they take it with their bold hands and go and you know, run with it. A lot of people are worried about the what ifs, what, why not, what's going to happen it. But I think just being able to take the first step and, you know, towards making something happen, they're going to only find out when they take the first step. So my advice is just if you really have a dream or a burning desire to start something, you know, cancel out all that negativity, that negative speaking, sometimes even from your own family. Take time to think and reflect on what is it that you really want to achieve and spend some time actually thinking about it and, you know, writing it down and setting goals for yourself and just take that first step. No amount of what-ifs could have prepared us for the crisis of the last two years. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed lives all over the world in devastating ways for many businesses. Many of those fortunate enough to survive still had to dig deep. For Shelley Beerich, whose business relied heavily on tourism, it was time to rethink and take on new skills to enable her organic vanilla products to reach consumers despite closed borders. And after the initial difficulties, things are looking up. Well, I think my new normal is going to be even busier than my old normal. <laughs> the new normal is totally different. It is a totally different look outlook. Um, but when COVID came, came along... Um, First and foremost, what stopped for us, like a lot of Pacific Island countries, was that your borders closed and then there stopped the, the tourists. So basically, I was relying on just selling my products at niche cafes for the tourist market. I was offering uh, vanilla farm tours to the tourist market. Shelley tapped into her network and the program she found made a world of difference. I was introduced to a Indigenous women's um, business e-commerce program. And part of that e-commerce program was being introduced to the Shopify uh, e-commerce platform. I decided this is what I needed to do. It was all online. We were taught how to build your own website, how to build your own online store. And I did it. Within nine weeks, I launched my own website and my own online store. And that was the start of e-commerce for me. That was in August 2020. Um, And we're not even two years now. But since that time, I have diversified the business from just becoming an agribusiness. I've diversified it to becoming an e-commerce business. I am now teaching other women how to do their own e-commerce stores. And I am now mentoring and training new vanilla growers. So things are just, you know, from taking that one opportunity and believing in yourself, it's just rolled over into a whole different world for me. Shelley's whole new world has made her an enthusiastic advocate for making e-commerce an accessible reality for Pacific entrepreneurs. A lot of the Pacific countries and their governments are really pushing for e-commerce because they realise that this new norm of ours 
e-commerce is going to be the biggest thing there is to for the Pacific to do business in. But the challenge in that is that um, not a lot of our people have access to good internet. Not a lot of our people have access to uh, computers and laptops at home to be able to do business online. Not a lot of people have access to international bank accounts. A lot of our Pacific Island countries have closed payment gateways where local banks are unable to accept credit card or debit card purchases directly to your own bank account. It always has to go through third-party providers, you know, like money transfers or or uh, money wallets and things like that. Um, so that's a big challenge. If our governments really want e-commerce to work effectively and efficiently, they need to work on opening up the payment gateways. And that way, they're going to be getting a lot more of the foreign currency, the, the sales coming into the country. Um, instead of it going through all of these other services and the merchant ends up getting charged three different types of fees, you know, so it becomes expensive for someone doing e-commerce. Vani was determined from the beginning to minimise the impacts of the pandemic on her employees. It was challenging at the beginning, so I, and so I had to tell my team, you know, I'm not sending anybody home. We're going to have to find some ways of uh, breathing and, and getting through this pandemic together. Being in the internet business turned out to be a silver lining as demand for connectivity grew during the pandemic. It also inspired Vani and her team to explore and innovate with a digital platform to help entrepreneurs do business online. Everybody needs connectivity. And amazingly, by the force of nature, our ISP picked up, our internet services picked up. And then in that space also, in our hub, we found that uh, a lot of our you know, entrepreneurs were also affected because it also affected the business. So we wanted to see what we can do. And then we launched a digital platform, which is called ShopSmart PNG, where they can go online and comfortably you know, have their online shop and trade and, and continue to do business while locked down. So we had partnership with the banks coming on board for the internet payment gateway system. We formed partnership with the distribu- logistics, you know, distribution distributors as well, like DHL, FedEx, and and our local, you know, providers, and 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 ensuring that they are on board as well, so our locals can be able to continue to reach their uh, customers, you know, locally and also globally as well. Kitiana is also seeing greater potential for innovation, made possible by having to adapt to the impacts of the pandemic. She sees this not only in the businesses and entrepreneurs she coaches, but also in herself. It's a lot of innovation and creativity. And uh, for me personally, the new norm as a business coach is working on my own personal development and growth. Because I can't give what I don't have. So for me to be a better coach, I need to be relevant. I need to learn to be more effective at listening and to be able to ask the right questions. So having said that, I need to keep learning and growing and learning from other coaches, for instance. And the other one is uh, sticking to my unique niche. So there's a lot of coaching businesses out there. But uh, for me, I've learned that 
I should just stick to what I'm passionate about and what I'm good good at. So I've narrowed my coaching right down to well-being coaching and the focus being on women. So, yeah, that's the new norm for me, just, you know, finding that dot or that thing that I'm passionate about and good good at and just continuously working on myself, growing myself to become better. The pandemic has led entrepreneurs like Kitiana to gain clarity of purpose and focus on developing themselves to bring the best of their capabilities to their clients and collaborators. Shelley also credits her networks with helping each other cope and find solutions for the unprecedented challenges brought on by COVID-19. I think that's really important is to reach out to really good Indigenous women networks. There's a lot of women out there, different ages, different sizes, different you know, um, nationalities, we're all out there. So just connect with the right group that you feel safe in and that they're there to support you. I think we also have to be careful. So look for the right groups and and look for the positive people. Yeah, and, and just don't ever, ever give up on your dream. I have not, but my dream has grown. It's added, you know, these new things added to it. And I believe, you know, I don't know how far this is going to take me. I don't know how long I'm going to be doing it. But while I'm doing it, I'm going to enjoy it and do the best that I can in the hope that I can inspire other women to do the same thing and and follow their dreams. If you have an idea and if you if you don't want to share with anybody else, find somebody. But bottom line is that don't hold an idea. Once you share that idea with somebody that thinks that, you know, it's a great idea, he or she will invest in you. But you've got to keep talking because at the end of the day, I always tell people that that's your idea. You know how to deliver it. If somebody's going to copy it, it's not going to be the same as how you want to do it. Because somebody else is, may say something that will give you that light bulb moment and you go back and you start developing it. Stepping into the unknown, steering through the obstacle course of a growing and evolving business and dealing with the inescapable shockwave of COVID-19, our guests have demonstrated the reality of the hustle. Is it immensely rewarding to watch a dream or an idea bloom into reality? Absolutely. Does it have its fair share of low points and dark moments? Absolutely. According to our guests, nothing great is achieved without collaboration, even if it takes time to convince others of your vision. Sure, capital investment and money certainly help keep the lights on, but it's our guests' grounding in their purpose that keeps them going, growing and evolving. Their hustle is not about who works the hardest and the longest or who has the most. It's about finding a reason beyond yourself, a way to add value to others, to change or disrupt unfair structures, and to make a positive impact in your community. Speaking to our guests this episode, that's what I see in their eyes and hear in their voices. Like Vani said, money can't buy that feeling. If you've been nursing an idea or a desire to start a new chapter in starting a business, like our guests have done, we hope you keep going. Seek out those who can invest in you in the form of positivity, in ideas, in opportunities, and in advice. Invest in yourself. You are your greatest asset. You have value, and if you are lucky, I know I have been, you will meet and collaborate with many people along the way with whom you can grow and share that value.
and let's acknowledge how tough, tedious, costly, and time-consuming starting and running a business is. I hope Pacific governments, banks, and business stakeholders can continue to make business processes more streamlined, less cost-prohibitive, and more accessible for all. In our show notes, you'll find resources and links to all the businesses whose founders we've spoken to today. I'm so grateful they took the time to speak with us. Thanks also to Pacific Trade and Invest for their collaboration. Pacific Trade Invest Australia is the Pacific region's lead trade and investment promotion agency. You can get in touch at pacifictradeinvest.com. Thanks to the World Bank in the Pacific and PNG for supporting these conversations. Check out our show notes for more on how the World Bank, and in particular its private sector arm, the IFC, works with businesses throughout the Pacific to create markets and opportunities to grow private sector investment and reduce poverty. This includes digital and connectivity projects across the region, making internet faster, cheaper and more reliable so businesses like Vani's and Shelley's can thrive. It also includes supporting the government of Samoa's Agriculture and Fisheries Productivity and Marketing Project, SAFPROM, helping farmers like Shelley increase their productivity and reach new markets. If you like what you're hearing, follow us on social media or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We love hearing from listeners and have had some great opportunities to share their voices and comments in our episode. Keep those comments and messages coming. In our next episode, we'll be speaking with people and taking time to reflect and share stories about how Pacific communities banded together to take care of one another during COVID-19. Until next time, take care and stay safe.